unfortunately, that leaves me with killing, killing Harriet, Harriet Tubman. Tubman. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Launch Sequence, your comedy podcast about adulting, millennials, and the life of a soon-to-be ex-college student. We're coming to you from the Scarf and Binder Studios here at Westmont College. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Anthony. Hello, everyone. On this episode of the podcast, we produce packing poems, talk about adultier adults, and put a historical twist on Kiss, Mary Kill. Before we get to the meat of the show, it's time for the 10-second check-in. Because it seems that Santa Barbara is constantly in a mandatory evacuation zone, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week. Ready, set, go. So, I'm trying to cover two weeks because we had spring break, but spring break, I read a bunch of books, which I needed to do for research, which was great, but also, I didn't have... Nope. Done. This week was good, too. (laughs) All right, Andrew. Because modern society uses a base 10 system, you only have 10 seconds to tell me about your week. Ready? Go. I went back home for spring break and saw my younger brother's play, which was a very interesting and possibly sexist production, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later. And then I came back and it rained all this week and we were in a mandatory evacuation. So. Very good. (laughs) You were somehow within time. (laughs) Next up. Our recurring section, Ramen and Rhyme, a section designed to confirm the stereotype that millennials are all poetry-writing hipsters. Mike and I have each written a poem with the same title. We have not yet heard each other's poems. We will read them out loud and interpret them on the fly. The title of this week's poems is Packing. Packing. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in its petty pace from day to day into the last second of available time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to unpacked bags. In, in wrinkled shirts. I am but a rushing shadow, a poor teen that runs and frets this hour around his room, and then will head out the door. It is a tale told by my mother, full of frustration and fury, signifying packing. <laughs> Micah looks so pained. Have I disappointed you, Micah? It's just, it's kind of pompous <laughs> <laughs> that I'm plagiarizing Shakespeare shamelessly. <laughs> Packing. Time to go. For now. You might be back tomorrow. Or never. It's time to go. But how do you collect the artifacts of a year, pack them away, and move them somewhere else? If only till tomorrow. Or never. It's time to go. Somehow. For now. Hmm. Honestly, I was I was too too caught up in thinking about whether or not I was appropriate in plagiarizing Shakespeare <laughs> to be paying full attention. I, I do like the line about collecting the artifacts of a year because I feel like every time I leave, it's hard to... Bring back home in a real way what I have at school, even if I bring the items. Like, I don't have room to display them, and it's a different space. Yeah. Um, and I think you you capture some of that um, that loss, that kind of grief and frustration that moving from one place to the other always means leaving something behind, even as you get something new. Uh, and I think there's a bittersweetness to that process. 
While Andrew and I strive to provide the highest quality humor and best dubious advice from our limited experience, there's a whole lot of life we haven't lived. So let's look to the wisdom of our elders in a segment we're calling Adultier Adults. Today we've invited recent UCSB graduate and a lifelong friend of mine, David Welsh, to give us some perspective on life just over the horizon line in that scary, scary world of adulting. Yikes. Welcome to the podcast, David. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, so glad to have you on. David, can you give our audience a brief summary of how the two of us know each other? Uh, absolutely. Um, well, we uh, we really go way back to uh, Andrew and I, to uh, really early childhood. Our families were went to the same church, and we grew up going skiing together every year. And in our more recent years, uh, we went to the same high school and uh, have, have kept in touch ever since. Can you give our listeners a brief summary of your first year out of college, David? Yeah, so um, that, yeah, just one year out of college, so you're getting really the real-time version. Um, I graduated UC Santa Barbara um, last March, um, and I worked at a startup back up in the Bay Area um, that does online mental health counseling. Um, and so while I was there, I was, uh, I was helping create kind of a new platform on it. Um, and yeah, it, it had been, you know, I had basically looked around for a lot of jobs at, at big tech companies, but was also interested in startups. And I assumed my way in would be through this sort of connection. That's what everyone seemed to say. But, um, it was really more based on some different sort of entrepreneurial ventures I had taken on in college that, uh, I think helped me stand out as a candidate to this, uh, this startup and, uh, yeah. Um, what did you do in college that best prepared you for your post-college life? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think this is one of the ones I was, I was really, uh, extreme about while I was in college, just cause I came to believe that, um, once you're out of college, your GPA is is so insignificant. It was just taught to me that, you know, it'll be relevant maybe the first time you get a job, but right after that, people are more interested in your experience at your last job, so it, it kind of becomes irrelevant then. So I was kind of just thinking, you know, even even in college, I think my experience is more important than putting all my effort into my classes and getting the best grades I can. Um, and I think my theory kind of paid off. Um, so while I was in college, uh, I actually got involved working with a different startup remotely. Um, that was just some good ex experience there. I, w I, I had kind of attempted to start my own little business while in college, which was uh, a web-based like online grocery delivery service just to my local college community. Nice. Uh, a friend and I had done that, and we we had basically got the business running and went for a little while, um, and then we generally decided, well, this isn't profitable enough. But hey, we we got <laughs> we got it going, and and that's worth something. Um, and so it was kind of interesting when I was having these first interviews, um, especially because it was at a startup. They really asked more and more questions about my experience there and um, and other similar ventures I had taken on. Um, and not once did my GPA come up and it, you know, it wasn't anything, uh, special. So. All right. 
I'm not sure if that's reassuring or terrifying. <laughs> okay, you started uh, a podcast, would... Micah. That's that was your startup experience. <laughs> that's true. Well, I would just say, uh, um, especially the years in college, uh, always always try and be exploring and and doing the things that somewhat interest you, and uh, and put put more weight into that than uh, than necessarily getting getting the perfect grades. Um, but you know, different story for everyone. There's some professions that it's a it's a direct path from their from their academic performance. I know, like the medical field, for example, or uh, you know, if you're going into continued education, that that's really more important. So, this was Mike, a future teacher, can so, rest. Yeah, as as a future <laughs> teacher, yes, I do. I do get to rely on uh, grades a little more. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, what was what, David tells? What was the hardest part of making that transition from college into working life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big shift about a lot of things. Um, I think uh, it's it's definitely. I think that one of just the hardest ones is sudden loss of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's kind of daunting, but um, and, yes, and it's thank really you for not- the rousing, <laughs> inspiring <laughs> speech there. Yeah, yeah, get excited, everyone. Um, last free moments of your life. Um, no, it's not totally true. And, and actually I would say more accurately, it's a shift of freedom in that you, it is so nice really to finish the day. I worked from basically like nine 30 to five 30 PM or so a pretty typical work hour. Um, and then it really was once I was off, my whole evening was mine, mine to do with. And, um, for the most part, sometimes work would, would creep up and get involved, but, um, that's kind of a difference, you know, at school, but it really is every, every day. <laughs> and it's, I know everyone knows that, but you know, but several months in, it's just, it, it, you realize kind of the grind that is a, a nine to five full-time job. And so, um, that was, I think the hardest thing for me is, you know, I was someone who loved to make little trips and even, you know, three day weekend trips here and there, they, they're still doable. They just, they become harder when you're, dealing with paid time off and limited vacation days and um, not quite the freedom of just, hey, let's skip class and and uh, <laughs> drive over here for the week or something. So um, <laughs> at least that was my college experience. <laughs> so Skip class, I would never. Um, <laughs> what, are, uh, what are some ways you can make new friends post-college and how do you stay in touch with your old friends? Yeah, another great question. I mean, this is one of the most key things I feel like is is almost more important than my work life, which will change. You know, you you go from job to job, but I think almost a more stable thing are your community and friendships. And so I actually got pretty lucky. Um, I chose to come back to where I grew up in high school. And so I, I wound up basically making friends again with all of the friends I had already made in high school. And oddly enough, we, we've stayed pretty close and formed a nice little community, um, there. And, uh, beyond that, I think it's all about finding those sort of organic ways that friendships happen. Uh, for me, I, I think that's through, um, I've been going to a, a church up here and I've, I started to go to different, um, small groups with my girlfriend and that's just kind of one way to open up a few more people to be, um, good friends of yours and you know and so and and i think any time of you know school there is in college there's such a way of just naturally seeing people and organically 
friendships just happen. And, you know, I, we, I think we learn a little bit in college what it means to be intentional with friendships, but, um, it's kind of on hyperdrive afterward. You have to just Mm -hmm. be like, all right, Tuesday evening, we are, we are going and doing this. And then (laughs) you do it. Um, yeah. So I'm hearing kind of both shared experiences of doing, doing, going places where, you know, people are looking for community, whether that's a small group or, um, other thing. And then once you have those friends, being intentional about making time to see them absolutely and i think one one thing is always true is if you if you propose something often more more often people will be glad that you did and i I think it's just more than ever just like you can face rejection in the job search just just go out there and and be someone who who really tries to make uh friendship happen through organizing little events just talking to different people, hey, let's grab a beer, that kind of thing, because um, people might deny you or be busy and you'll have to reschedule or something, but it's, you know, um, you'll be, I feel like that's that's the best investment, I feel like. Hmm. What, uh, what's been the best habit you've developed, particularly in your postgraduate life? Well, I would say um, getting my sleep schedule finally figured out, but I feel like <laughs> I haven't mastered that one. <laughs> um Actually getting that eight hours of sleep. Is it supposed to be eight? It's supposed to be eight. Oh, dear. <laughs> Seven to oh, eight, no. yeah. Well, thank you, David, so much for coming on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you, and uh, best of luck. Uh, maybe we'll call you in another year and uh, see how, how year two went. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm glad my vastly uh, huge one year uh, <laughs> further on in life has, has been valuable. And, you know, I would just say in closing that, um, it's, it's such an adventure and, um, it, 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 it is kind of like, I, I mentioned the thing about losing some freedom, but in, a, in the other sense, you gain just the freedom of the world because for once, truly you're charging, charting your own path and there's nothing you need to do in the, in the footsteps of someone else if you have a different plan. So it is, it is pretty awesome. Truly you can do whatever you want and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now trying to figure out if I can get a job where I'm not working all the time. And <laughs> um, anyway, all right. but anyway, thank you both very, very much. And best of luck. Um, go millennials. Go millennials. Go millennials. Well, after some serious advice on the struggles of the future, it's time to turn our eyes to the past. A very wise man once said that those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm. And I say that those who don't laugh at it are boring. Quite right. Having just stared at our future as adults, let's return to some middle school games called Kiss, Mary, Kill, with a new historical spin. Micah. Yes, Andrew. Joan of Arc, Queen Elizabeth I, Mary, Queen of Scots. All right, so kiss one, marry one, kill one. Um, <clears throat> I would marry Elizabeth the first. Okay, just because power. Also, I'd get to see lots of good plays. You would. I'm a big fan of the Elizabethan theater. Kiss Joan of Arc, just because it's an excuse to have a conversation with her, and that would be an interesting conversation. Um, and then I suppose kill Mary, Queen of Scots. She's doomed anyway. By by default, by elimination. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Andrew. Oliver Cromwell, 
Winston Churchill, and Margaret Thatcher? Um, we're probably going to kill... Oh, is Oliver Cromwell the one who's like the Lord Protector? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to kill Oliver Cromwell because that, <laughs> that was just a mess. Not a, not a fan of the Interregnum? <laughs> I think only Oliver Cromwell was a fan of the Interregnum. And then he died. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Um, I guess I'm – I think I'm marrying Margaret Thester. I would not enjoy being married to Winston Churchill, like a phenomenal leader but also kind of a pompous <laughs> Okay, we got to cut that because we can't say <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again from the top. Let's see. Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, or Jackie Robinson? Um, Mary Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the for that intellectual writerly mind, um, kiss Jackie Robinson. I'm sure he's athletic and fit. Unfortunately, that leaves me with killing <laughs> Harriet Tubman, <laughs> and I feel like I just like like I just walked into a metaphorical wall there. Um, that was that was a, it was a cruel question when I wrote it, so it's okay. I set you up for failure. That's what friends do. Love you, buddy. <laughs> <clears throat> Ivan the Terrible. Oh, my. Rasputin and Vladimir Lenin. Oh, this no good choice here. Um, I'm marrying Ivan the Terrible because before he became terrible, he was not a terrible ruler. If I remember correctly, his brother died and then he went off the rails. So I'm just going to make sure his brother doesn't die. Um, I am killing Rasputin because... How? I don't That's, know. Historically, that was <laughs> very difficult. difficult. Um, and then I guess. Oh, but Lenin. So uh, <laughs> I feel a responsibility to kill Lenin. <laughs> Maybe like kissing him will like not have me put in the gulag, but more likely it was Soviet. So I'm gonna get in the gulag because I kissed Lenin. Um, so this is just okay. I'm gonna kiss R- Rasputin and kill Lenin and make the conservatives happy. Abigail Adams, Martha Washington, and Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross again. Uh, she sewed the American flag. Oh, yes. Apocryphally. Yeah. Um, remember quickly, Abigail Adams was quite a sharp mind, so I think I'm going to... Yes. She's the one who wrote, like, you should include women in yes. the... Yes. That was her. Yes. So, um, I'm marrying Abigail Adams. Um, I feel really weird, like... <laughs> Doing anything to Martha Washington? <laughs> I mean, apparently she was like a great debutante, like socialite. Yeah. Um, but just like it's okay. We we can replace kiss with have a respectful and cordial social interaction. Is this with like, Martha like, am I like kiss Martha Washington's hand <laughs> and like bow before the great president Washington? Um, and then I guess a uh, poor Betsy Ross, the apocryphal. Flag sower will go to die for liberty. I think we're too nice for this game. <laughs> that may we, be true. We, we get to the end and we're like, oh, but that means I have to kill this person. Oh, no. We, I thought about having him be exile. Maybe next time we'll do kill or kiss Mary exile. Kiss Mary exile next time. <laughs> we're just like, but the death penalty seems but the so death arbitrary so here. All right. Let us know what you think. Should we stop imaginatively killing historical figures? Should Andrew cheat make Martha Washington cheat on the first president? <laughs> Questions we ask on this podcast. 
We're really uh, wrestling with the ramifications of history here. <laughs> and personal ethics. Well, Micah, every podcast needs some sponsors. And since we're the one podcast Audible hasn't yet sponsored, this episode is sponsored by... The Death Penalty in Kiss, Mary Kill. Arbitrary and generally forced. This episode brought to you by Plagiarizing Shakespeare. Not technically illegal, it's in the public domain. <sighs> well, thank you for listening to us while checking your car's oil, reviewing your credit score, whatever more meaningful task you combine with this podcast. We would love suggestions for poem titles, questions, advice, and sarcastic senior soapbox. Please send your suggestions to our team at thelaunchsequencepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or hit us up on Twitter at launchseekpod. That's launch, S-E-Q, pod. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to leave us reviews on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. You get to tell us what you like, and it helps us reach new listeners. Sound design and editing for the launch sequence was done by Mark Carlson. Our logo was designed by Izzy Mata. Special thanks to the Westmont Music Department for allowing us use of their space. Until next time, I'm Andrew Olson. And I'm Micah Anthony. And this has been The, the Launch, launch sequence. sequence.